Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Nihongo Master Podcast. I'm your host Azra and for this episode, we're going to spice things up a bit. How's your Japanese language learning journey going? Everyone's on their own path at their own pace. And sometimes it can get pretty draggy when you're kind of stuck and don't know how else to improve yourself. How do you motivate yourself during those situations? How do you get out of bed and go, I'm going to study Japanese today? Today, we'll talk about Japanese language learning, tips and techniques, as well as a review of Nihongo Master's online learning system. I'm not doing it alone though. Today, I have company, and he's our special guest for today. Coming to you from Las Vegas, USA, I'm excited to introduce to you Israel Olivares. Welcome to the show, Israel. Tell us a bit about your background. Yeah, thank you for having me, Azra. I'm really excited to be on this show. I'm a fan of, I'm a new fan of Nihongo Master. <laughs> so I'm really humbled to be here. A little bit about myself. I live in Las Vegas right now. I am a finance manager for a casino company. I was born in Los Angeles uh, and I've been learning Japanese for about two years and a few months. What brought you to like Japan and have you been here? So what brought me to like Japanese, like many others, is I was introduced to Japanese culture through anime. And when I was a kid, we lived in a really bad neighborhood and I was the oldest of five. I was a little fat kid. And to escape that reality, I wanted to escape to a different, a different world. So my mom got us library cards. And from there, I rented a Studio Ghibli film, Castle in the Sky, Tenku no Shiro Rapita. And from there, I've, I was transported to that beautiful world that was created by Hayao Miyazaki. And since then, I've, I ended up watching My Neighbor Totoro and other Studio Ghibli films. I believe I watched them all. And from there, I kept falling in love with the characters, the development, the worlds that were created over there. All the glimpses of Japanese culture that I saw in the films, the foods, the way people talk to each other, the way people went to school over there. And from there, that got me to, to be interested into planning my first trip in Japan that I did in 2018. So you, how many times have you been to Japan? I've been to Japan twice and about a hundred other times in my dreams. <laughs> Tell us a bit about your experience the first and second time. What's the difference? Gotcha. So my first, my first trip in 2018 in December, I spent only about three months before the trip learning basic phrases like asking for where the toilet is or asking people for their name or saying excuse me or sorry or please, looking for the next train. And so my Japanese wasn't very good at this point. I studied a few katakana, a few hiragana words and scribbled out the alphabet just to try to learn that. But in three months, it's not really a lot to, to comprehend much. But that was my first experience. I was able to get around. I was able to ask for food and I was able to say, excuse me, here and there. But my second trip was vastly different because the, the year that I planned for my second trip, I actually studied more grammar points. I learned how to say more complicated sentences. I learned new words. I did. Uh, I really took my levels of learning to a higher, higher level. And then in my second trip, I was actually able to make Japanese friends, which I was really happy about. How did you make friends? Because in Japan, the, the culture is not really all about making friends, is it? No, in Japan, the culture definitely isn't, especially in Tokyo. In Tokyo, everyone was very systematic and no one would make eye contact with me. I thought I'd be that weird uh, foreigner guy that people would want to say hi to. Or, and I think a lot of people that go there for the first time think that it's going to be like that. That you're going to stand out and everyone's going to notice you and they're going to say, hey, let's go practice English. But it wasn't like that. And so what I did, though, is I know I was very nervous to do, but someone sitting next to me in the train on the way from Yokohama to Lake Kawaguchiko, uh, she was on her way back from work because it was around 5 or 6 p.m., rush hour time, and I just randomly commented on the weather. 
and she was at first she was a little bit shocked but then she ended up exchanging some few words with me and then we had a little small conversation before she got off and she pretty much told me I was the first foreigner that ever approached her you you talked to someone on the train next to you <laughs> so unheard of like everyone is not unfriendly but you kind of get a bit of looks when you do that yeah what did she say about foreigners um when you approached her so she said it's she's a little bit intimidated by foreigners foreigners are a little bit scary and it's not because we we look different and scary but it's more the fact that uh there are a lot of japanese are self-conscious about their english and that they can't speak to the levels that they can communicate with us and i think a little bit too is it being intimidated by how proactive or how like that mo that move that i did where i I randomly talked to her, which is unheard of in Japan. I think that kind of personality and behavior can be a little bit intimidating in that social setting, especially a train. And so I think it's a combination of those things she mentioned that it's very hard to talk to foreigners and that that was actually the first one that I ever talked to her. Yeah. yeah, we kind of stay in an expat bubble over here. And like for us, looking at like Japanese people, they're intimidating. So it's kind of funny that they see us as intimidating yeah super funny both both of us are very shy but if we both kind of meet in the middle i know that'll be very hard to do but i think about the possibilities of all the friendships and all that but pretty pretty awesome during my time here i don't really have anyone going up to me at all and there's so many occasions that i want to go up to them if i see someone wearing a nice dress and back home i would definitely do it no one would go oh, like, what are you doing? But here, I feel like if I go up to them, they'll get so frightened. And then I will feel very, like, not sad, but I will feel just embarrassed a bit as well, you know? I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, maybe in other regions, like Osaka, the people are a little bit more outgoing there. I don't know what, what's the reason for the big difference between Osaka, Kansai region and the other region. But uh, completely different dynamics, in my opinion. Yeah. I 100% agree. I think the South, they're so much more friendly. Like Os Osaka, Okinawa, the, the, the culture is so much different. And I feel like only Tokyo is kind of very intense. And it might be because of the working culture, you know. Yeah. Definitely. So tell us a bit about the things that you have learned on your learning journey and what you, are, you want to learn. Yeah, so some of the things I've learned on my Japanese journey is that I can't know everything at once. Every day, I have to take every day by a, a little bit. I have to learn a little bit of words, a little bit of grammar, a little bit of sentence structures each day. And I have to accept the fact that Japanese is a long-term journey. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and be two, three times more fluent than I am today. I, it's going to be a little bit of progress. And just like working out and having a new goal to lose weight, if you keep checking in the mirror every day, you're not going to see the results that you want. And so it's better to just keep practicing, keep to a, a, a regiment, even if it's 10 minutes a day, which is how I started uh, my, my journey in learning Japanese, just 10 minutes a day, it's going to add up. And so one thing I've learned too is that there are so many different ways to learn Japanese and you have to find the way, you have to test out different ways to see what, what works best for you. What was the one that works best for you? What works best for me is... Looking at, looking at mediums that interest me. So it's kind of embarrassing, but I watched the full season of Terrace House. 
with just Japanese. And at this point, I had already learned basic grammar structures. So I knew where the object goes, where the verb goes, where the subject goes. I knew basic grammars up to this point, probably around about 100 words or so. So I was able to catch a lot of these conversations in Terrace House. So I'd rewind and play, rewind and play, and then realize I, the way I learned was very、uh, formal. So it was a kegel, it was ending with mas in your verbs. But the way that Terrace House was, was extremely casual. Da, 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 and a lot of different words like that. So I had to really learn that that's the way they say it, casual. And I had to、mm-hmm. kind of marry that with what I've learned in the,、uh, my, grammar stru- my grammar studies. So that's my favorite way. And from that, I also like going to Japanese markets, neighborhood markets, and trying to, to talk to someone, ask them how their day are. They're a little bit more open to, to chat here in the, in the States, <laughs> luckily. But, but I, I go to the Izakayas here in Las Vegas and I practice. And I really love. To talk and make new friends, and I feel that that's the way that I want to learn Japanese. And that's I, I could bury myself in a textbook, but I prefer to do interactive websites or talking in person and just getting out there and messing up and making mistakes and getting corrected. That's my favorite way. Nice. So、um, that's kind of like passive learning and active learning, right? So, what's the best and worst part about these two? Okay, I'll start with passive learning. So, the best part about passive learning is that it takes a little bit of, I guess, brain focus for you. I consider passive learning just putting on something that I'm listening to in the background, whether it be the NHK news, whether it be a Japanese conversation that's, that's full Japanese, whether it just be some commercials in Japanese,、uh, I, or even listening to Japanese music, which I've learned to, to like a lot. And I think that your, your mind recognizes simple sentence structures, it recognizes words that are used a lot. And then, so that was the, the positive parts about it that it's little effort. All you have to do is put something on and just be there and just be mindful. The negative parts of passive learning is that you might, want, you might hear some words and then you, you, you're going to want to go look them up because you don't know them. And it's going to kill you because you're going to want to keep looking them up, but you, you might be working or you might be doing something else and you can't. So, passive learning is going to be a little bit hard there. You just kind of have to let it happen and just let your mind. Pick up the Japanese tones, the intonations, and the words that are being used. Whereas active learning, you have to, you have to focus more. You have to actually use your brain power to, to actively learn and question and add new word, learn new words and use different strategies to remember those words, whether you draw pictures or whether you、uh, write them out a hundred different times or whether you create ten sentences using each word. You have to actively do that. When I try to actively watch Japanese shows and drama, It takes me about an hour and a half or two hours to watch a 20 minute, 30 minute episode because I'm rewinding, I'm playing, I'm looking up the kanji, I'm saying why. And so that's the positive side of active learning is that you're going to learn so much faster. And that's how you're truly going to level up your Japanese is a combination of passive and active. But the downside, like I mentioned, is it takes time to invest. So you mentioned that you like to talk. Is that、um, helpful to your learning journey? Yep. So at the start of COVID around March, I ended up, I was afraid up to that point of talking with people. I was embarrassed that when someone talks to me, I can kind of understand them, but I felt embarrassed that it took me forever to think about the words and what order to say them because I would think about them in English first and then I would translate them in English in my head to Japanese and then I'd put them in the right order and then I'd speak it. Now I'm trying to, to, to just think about them in Japanese first. And then that kind of cuts out the delay. So, what I did since March up until this point is do italki conversations with Japanese natives, 30 minute conversations. So, I've had about 20 or 25 of them. 
And with the little Japanese I knew, I went ahead and started it. My first conversation was introducing myself, asking where they live, what they do, how they became a teacher. And then after that point, those points, I would kind of not know what else to say. <laughs> so then they would ask me stuff and I'd ask them, hey, how do I ask you if you have any kids or if you have any dogs? And then they tell you, they tell you, oh, dubutsu, kate ka, or stuff like that. And then I would learn that and then I'd take it to my next conversation and I'd know how to say that now. And I'd learn different variations of that. And right now up to the 20 something talk I've had, I've gone through a lot of conversations. I can get further and further in each conversation and really comprehend a little bit better. And I feel that that way has helped my growth a lot more. So all this conversation is in Japanese only or were there a bit of English? My last conversation, I had it 30 minutes of full Japanese. I only okay. said two words in English, three words in English, but the 30 minutes of it were Japanese. And okay. it's still very beginner Japanese, but I was so proud that the last couple italki conversations I've had were primarily in Japanese. Nice. So mm -hmm. what would you do if, if you don't understand the person in Japanese? Do you like ask them to explain or would you just shrug off? If I didn't understand something, I, if someone mentions, uh, gives me a sentence in Japanese or tells me something, and I only understand the first part, so they say something about a dog, and I don't understand the other parts of it, I tell them, uh, well, you said something about a dog, and then this is that, what was the last part you said? And then my instructors, they would tell me either in simplified Japanese to explain it, or they'd tell me in English, because some of my instructors knew a little bit of English. And so then they'd help me explain it. And then I'd ask a bunch of questions like, why do you use that particle? Or what do you use this? Or how come for this case, instead of saying tabemashita, you said tabeta koto ga arimasu ka? And then I'd ask them different situations like that. And then I started learning more and more and taking notes. And so, yeah, so you can imagine how annoying I was in the beginning, having to stop my instructors <laughs> and asking them to explain things to me. <laughs> That's what I learned is as soon as you come here, you don't really need to care so much about the particles. And right. as long as you get all the words right, they can like piece it together and then understand it. And they're like, yep. Yeah. It's... Yeah. In that sense, it's easier. But at the same time, we have kanji. <laughs> Kanji's another beast. <laughs> That's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, definitely. From my personal experience, I have trouble putting myself out there. Um, even now, like because I'm in that expert bubble, it's it's harder to approach people after two years of living here. How would you motivate language learners like me to do that? To get out there more. That's how mm -hmm. would I motivate you to get out there more? Uh, well, I would encourage you to first actually find a community of others that are either beginners as well or are learning Japanese and are teaching others Japanese. These kind of communities can be, whether they can be on a website you sign up on, they can be on a local meetup group, they can be, in my case, my best friend Eddie, I got him to start learning Japanese after our first trip. And so now he's at the point where him and I can kind of talk and we, we practice Japanese together. So I think if you want to create a situation like that, get someone that, you, that are close to you to, to start learning the language too, because it's a beautiful language. And then you'll have, it kind of sounds selfish, but you're creating a partner to practice with. And so that's what I kind of did with my friend. I joined the Las Vegas Kaiwa, Vegas Kaiwa, which was a meetup group that I met every Thursday. At uh, first, I just sat there and listened. But uh, so what they would do is they would do 10 minutes of English only speaking. 
And then they would do the next 10 minutes Japanese only. The, during the Japanese only, I just sat there and was had a puzzled look on my face the whole time. But as they kept happening and happening and happening, I started learning more. I started asking them the same questions I ask my instructors now. And from there, that gave me the courage to practice and mess up. And I started trying to contribute more in Japanese only time. And I just started building up my courage a little bit like that. I did recently start that YouTube channel to kind of get out there. And you asked me what would I recommend someone. I, I recorded my last conversation in Japanese only. And I recorded this for myself so I can go back and look at it to see what mistakes I made. And I decided to just post it on Reddit and YouTube. And people gave me feedback. And people kind of also kind of saw, hey, you're doing this a lot. Or, or how come you couldn't say it this way? And I just put it out there and I got a lot of good feedback. I thought I was going to get people telling me that my Japanese sucks or that it needs a lot of improvement. But people were very supportive. So I'd say maybe some of your, your listeners right now, maybe they can record their conversations or, or just feel free to put it out there. Even if they pick a fake name to make a profile with, just as long as they get the conversation out there. Yeah, so the key thing is to just practice, basically. Yeah, and don't be afraid of be a, to look like a fool, I guess. Because <laughs> we're, all, we're all beginners, though. We're all beginners. Yeah, yeah. I guess my... Like my problem is when I talk to a Japanese person and I, I am a perfectionist and I want to be able to say the right things. So I can't, I would just stand there and go, mm, no, <laughs> English, do you know English? <laughs> but um, So in my share house, everyone knows that I can understand Japanese, but I just refuse to speak to them in Japanese. So they would talk to me and I would have like practice listening. And then I would speak in English, and they would practice their English. So it's, ni- it's a nice exchange, but I just want to like, get out of that bubble a bit. I just don't know why I'm still in it, you know. Well, I challenge you, uh, Azra-san, the next time you see a, a girl wearing a really pretty dress, like you mentioned earlier, uh, just go up to her and tell her it's nice. That's it. I don't want piece of aski. I don't know, something super simple. Sumimasen. Sumimasen. Uh, but but I, I can imagine it's pretty hard because because of the culture. And like you said, I, I tried it at the beginning. I was a perfectionist, too. I didn't want to say something unless it was perfect in my mind. But I just said it the way it came out. And then they corrected me in, in, in a nice way, of course. And then I said it better and better. And it built your confidence slowly. But I would enjoy ch- talking. I listened to your Saturday study session conversations where you do two conversations sensei and i would if i was approached by one of your your personas one of your conversations i that would be a fun conversation i mean yeah yeah you're really good at japanese in my opinion really thank you yeah so we're gonna move on um last week when we chatted um we talked a bit about the nihongo master online learning system so did you check that out definitely i checked it out since last week and i i loved it i thought it was just a nihongo master podcast but when I logged into the website and made an account, I realized there's so many resources on there. As I mentioned earlier, when I first started my Japanese journey, I would look up random online articles to say to look up grammar points. If I wanted to learn how to compare, how do I say tequila is better than whiskey? I needed to learn yori and ohoga. And that grammatical tool, I had to look that up. And then every time I wanted to say something different, like how do I say if this, then that, how do I say these things? And so I would look up random online resources. But when I logged into nihongomaster.com, 
I immediately the user is prompted to pick their level. And mm-hmm. I pick beginner still, of course, because I consider myself beginner. And then from the beginner tools, you see a list of what you have to do in your lessons. So you have a lesson and then you have a drill that comes right after the lesson that's going to drill all the elements, all the words, all the phrases you learned in the lesson. And then uh, some of them, there's quizzes at the end. And what I learned from Nihongo Master is that all your lessons are different. Uh, some of the lessons are, are manga sheets, comic books. And so on some of these, they're really interesting to read the comic books. And then at the very bottom, it tells you the vocabs and it breaks down the dialogue. And it even has an audio portion of the dialogue so you can practice listening. And the way the lessons are structured is, is exactly what I would Google when I'm looking up a grammatical point. One of them tells me, one of the lessons is called, how do you say something possessive or no, no particle. And then I click on the lesson and it breaks it down easily. So that's one of the things I really love about Nihongo Master is that instead of you having to search all over the place for, for your next grammar points or for your next uh, thing that you have to learn in Japanese, everything's already here and it's already a track. It has a percentage. I know us human beings, we like progress. And so you complete that lesson, it shows you 1%, complete a few more, you're at that 5%, and then that kind of builds uh, momentum and human beings love seeing progress. So I think that's a super cool feature. And while I was doing that, I realized that I was getting badges. I was getting little badges here and there. And that I was like, what? what are these badges? And these badges are for different accomplishments. So you finish your first few lessons, you get a badge. You master your drills, you get a badge. And I think that's pretty awesome to keep people motivated. And what I also noticed is that I saw some people, other users, I can see what badges they were getting. And I was able to click on these users and see how long they've been studying for, what badges they have. I could even send them comments and tell them, hey, what did you think about this lesson? And so it's a pretty cool platform. So there's like that community system up exactly. in Hongo Master, yeah? You can even build teams. Yeah. So you can build teams with people that are, I saw a group on there, it was called the Swedish Weebs. <laughs> and, so, and some other groups on there but all these people all these are like-minded individuals such as yourself mm. and myself that want to learn japanese and what i also noticed too uh, actually a few months ago i purchased a list of japanese sentences and a japanese kanji so i can write out the kanjis i noticed that in nihongo master there's a reference section for tools and there are practice sheets and mm. they're, they're labeled different things like airport vocabs or uh, shopping vocabs and you click on them and they show you a bunch of kanji that are pertinent to that and then mm. you hit download sheet and then voila it's just what i purchased a few months ago and it's <laughs> right there you print it out and i like to do it on my ipad where i put that on my ipad as a pdf and then i just practice on my kanji strokes for those words so it's a pretty mm. cool tool it's very all compact very organized exactly mm. all inclusive i don't have to go anywhere else i Pair that up with Wanikani, and that's perfect for, for each day. I do a few mm. lessons a day, a few drills, and I feel that I've done a good job's work. It's Karisama desu Karisama. Did you join any communities? Did you chat with anyone on this? I site? went on there. I asked a few questions, but uh, I haven't checked for any responses. But I did mm. explore some of the communities, and I saw that some communities, you can, they put out their own word list, and I could subscribe to the words. And if they want to add new words to them, I'll, I'll be a subscriber already, and I'll, I'll see what new words are added. Uh, mm. I want to take the JLPT-5 eventually, and so I know mm. that there were some communities that are studying for that, for specific tests, and they have specific lists for that. So if you want, like you mentioned, Asrasa, 
if you want somewhere compact, somewhere that everything's there, this is this is a perfect platform so far. It's been a good experience. That's cool. That's really great to hear. What is the biggest takeaway you got from Nihongo Master? Like, what are the words or the new grammar, if you learned any? Any new grammar, new words? I was kind of skipping around. Uh, I learned the word rare, <laughs> mizurashi. I learned a few random phrases. But what I learned most about that is that you guys change it up. All the lessons are different. Uh, like I mentioned, they're manga, or they're just like a textbook style, or they are just the words. And it's very different, so we don't get bored. So I learned through Nihongo Master and their layouts that I have to change it up. Otherwise, I'm not going to learn and stuff isn't going to stick. And so I've been doing that. I've been doing the drills. And I've learned a few words here and there. But I'm trying to learn the kanji forms of the words that I already know. And uh, so I've been downloading some of the practice sheets on there for the words I know. And practicing doodling those out. But yeah. Good. So you mentioned you, you listened to one of the study Saturdays, yeah? Do you think yeah. it's similar to the online learning system? Oh yeah, very similar. So like I mentioned, a lot of the lessons are, it starts off with a manga piece of a student going to school, meeting his, his teacher and his teacher asking him what he's studying or whether he's a student or a teacher. And then after that, they have dialogue practice. So they keep repeating the same dialogues or the same words used in that. And then at the very end, it kind of breaks it down. That's very similar to the Saturday uh, study podcasts. Uh, for example, you go ahead and break down, you teach someone how to, how to do something, you teach down what that grammar point is, you teach a few words on there, and then you break that down and then you have a conversation. And then your conversation involves a lot of the words you taught in the beginning part of the podcast. And then, and I feel that that structure is very good because you learn it first and then you hear it in actual conversation. So after your Japanese conversation, you then break it down in English. And I think it's very effective and it does kind of line up with the Nihongo Master lessons. Thank you. Yeah, that was what I was aiming for. Cause... How, how long have you been living in Japan and practicing yourself? Me? Yep. I have, I've been in Japan for about two years and four months, I would say. Five months. And I started learning Japanese two years before I came here. Um, but that was just textbook, textbook, and practicing for, um, learning for the JLPT. So I have to JLPT 3, if I'm not wrong. But then, um, oh. it's only, that's the thing, it's only like textbook. <laughs> like, practical, I am horrible. So when I came here, the first time I was just, I did not speak. I refused to speak. And then I got into the expert bubble and it was even harder to put myself out there. So um, with Nihongo Master, I, I became more active in, in speaking Japanese. And now I am, I am speaking. Um, very casual, though. I realized whatever I learned for N3 was kind of useless because <laughs> <laughs> it was business Japanese. And gotcha. here, like when you speak face to face, whatever I learned was just thrown out of the door. I like had to start from scratch. Everyone talks differently. The words they use were different. And the it's all casual. It ex, it's extremely casual. And I feel like you don't get a casual... You don't really get casual conversations so much online when you're learning or textbook. So with, with the podcast, uh, the Study Saturday series, I'm trying to put in whatever I learned um, talking to my friends 
so that when they come here, they don't get the same shock that I did because it is extremely different in my opinion, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome that you're doing that because maybe that also has to do with why it's kind of hard for people to get out of the expat bubble. So now that you're teaching more and more people, especially those that live in Japan, more casual, basic casual conversations, maybe it'll give them that courage and that knowledge to try to break out of that expat bubble. That's, yeah. that's pretty awesome. So thank you so much for your time. It was really nice having you on. Um, where can people find you? What are your social media? Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, my social media right now is still fairly new. Like I mentioned earlier in the interview, I started a YouTube channel where I am going to post my conversations that I have in full Japanese. And I'm still making a lot of mistakes, but you can find me on my YouTube channel, Azri-san. A-Z-R-Y-san. S-A-N. And uh, <laughs> connect with me on there, and I'd be happy to, to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you. And that wraps up our chat about Japanese language learning. We talked about struggles and methods for Japanese language learning, the difference between learning on your own and using the language in Japan itself, and a run-through of Nihongo Master's online learning system. If you want to learn Japanese language for yourself, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and also the official website. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope you tune in next time when we discover another part of Japan's rich culture. Mata ne! Bye!